All right, morning, everybody. Yes, uh, my name is Matt. I'm the youth pastor here at Grace. Just want to welcome everybody one more time to uh, actually our series finale. We're digging through some of the parables of Jesus. I have two friends here, here with me on stage. <laughs> two guys who are very near and dear to my heart. Uh, they're part of our youth group. They're going to help me with the reading today. Would everybody say, Good morning, Will? And good morning, Christian. They're going to be reading from Mark chapter 4, the parable of the soils. Good. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by the parables and in his teachings said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop. Some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others asked him, asked him about the parables. <clears throat> then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Uh, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where this word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes the, away the word that was sown in them. Others like the seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But, once, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others like seed among thorns hear the word, uh, but the worries of this life, the t deceitfulness and wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others like seed sown on good soil hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Thanks, guys. I love those guys. Uh, okay, so several months ago, some of our adult leaders here at Grace with the youth group, we took a bunch of our middle schoolers out into the country to camp and uh, make some memories. The school year was fresh. Everybody was stressed. Let's just peel away for a night. Let's camp. Let's have some fun. Let's play some airsoft. Have a good time. We did have a great time. Uh, the thing that I remember most about that camp out, though, is actually a conversation I got to have with some of our middle school boys on the way home. So I don't know if they planned it out or if it just happened, but apparently four of these guys basically just decided that in this hour and a half car ride, they were going to ask me every single question that they could ever imagine about church, about God, about religion, about the Bible, about all of it. If you could conceive of a question 
but they decided that they were going to ask me on this car ride. And they just started from the very first mile. They were just peppering me with questions. Questions about, can I really not love money? Like, is that in the Bible? Can I not? What's the deal with that, Komar? Or, you know, Komar, like, what's the deal when it comes to war? And like, we see some of this and sometimes it's okay and sometimes it seems like it's not. And some questions about war, questions about the Bible, questions about money, questions about sex, questions about the church and injustice. Do I have to go to church? Every question you can imagine, they asked. And for about 45 minutes, we just dug through some of that stuff. And it was, I mean, on one hand, it was great because we got to get down to the heart of a couple things. Like, you know, guys, this is, this is what we know about who God is and the kind of relationship he wants to have with us. And this is what we know about who God is in terms of how he wants us to defend the weak and, and, and lift up the poor. And this is what we know about who God is as it's revealed through the Bible. And this is what we also know about the Bible and how humanity is kind of just found very raw in it. And we got to have some really good discussion and even help them ask some even better questions about some of these issues. So for about 45 minutes of this car ride, it was just heavy, deep conversation. And uh, it was interesting because at the end of that 45 minutes, hour and a half car, about halfway through, the conversation kind of turned, but I was left feeling kind of burdened, feeling kind of heavy in my heart about this. And on one hand, I should have been encouraged. Like, what, I'm with these guys, we're having these great conversations. They're asking incredible questions. Like, we're digging into some of these very significant topics. Like, this should be encouraging. I should go home and say, man, I had great conversations today. and was feeling good. But I wasn't feeling good. I was feeling very burdened. And the reason why is this. It was very clear that these guys, these four middle school boys, were just overwhelmed with the complexity of all of these issues. They were overwhelmed with the complexity of some of these questions and some of these things that they'd heard. Anyways, the conversation took a turn and some of the guys began telling stories of the night of the camp out. And uh, someone told a story about one of our adult leaders who was sprinting through the middle of a field at midnight and got clotheslined by some playground equipment. And yeah, it was funny. It was very funny. Um, and we didn't have to go to the hospital, which is great. Uh, another guy told a story about this other person in the group who, when we were playing airsoft battles, she would never admit when she got shot, and she would just stay in the, in the game, in the battle, and there, you know, she, she's a cheater, and she never admit when she got shot, and I shot her three times in the last battle, and she just said, oh, no, I hit the garbage can behind, like, telling stories about the weekend, great time. But then this one middle school student, Tay, he starts to tell a story about something that happened when we were roasting hot dogs on the fire that night. And, um, you know, roasting hot dogs on the fire, not super complicated, not a whole lot of technique involved other than you get a stick, put the hot dog on the stick, you put the stick in the fire, you turn it a couple times, you take it out, hot dog in the bun, you enjoy. Well, this student, Tay, really struggled with the whole hot dog roasting in the fire thing <laughs> to the tune of like six or seven hot dogs that did not make it out of that fire. <laughs> it became like a running joke in the group, like Tay lost another one. Like what happened this time, Tay? Like, so I don't know if he just wasn't putting it on the stick properly or if he was turning it 
too much or too fast or if he'd bring it out and bump the hot dog on the log, but he just could not get a hot dog roasted so that he could eat and he was hungry and all he wanted was to roast a hot dog. Anyways, this was, this was Tay's struggle. Then Tay tells this story. He says, you know, I was really struggling with the hot dog thing. And then Tom came over and sat next to me. Tom's one of our adult leaders. He said, then Tom came down and sat next to me, real quiet-like. He took a hot dog, put it on a stick, and he roasted it perfectly. And then he took it off the stick and he offered it to me and I got to eat it. And it was like, I got all the credit. And he was so pumped. He's like, and it was like, I got all the credit. Like I could assume that this hot dog was roasted by me. And when Tay said that, light bulbs went off. And I just said, guys, stop, stop here for a second. Look, Tay, what you just said, Tom, and Tay's exact words were, because I, I, I remember writing this down, Tom roasted this perfect hot dog for me and he gave it to me to eat and it was like, I got all the credit. What you're saying, Tay, is Tom did something you could not do. It was offered to you and you got all the credit for it. I said, yeah, that's right. I said, Tay, this this is Christianity. And I know it can be overwhelming, the complexity of some of these other things, but what you just said, it's as simple as that. It's no more complicated than this exact thing you just said. The whole Tom did something I could not do and I got all the credit. Tell you, this is Christianity. This is the central claim that Jesus Christ lived a life that we could not live and it was offered up to us and we get all the credit for that life. That's it. It's that simple. So this morning, as we dig through the parable of the soils as it, and we think about how Jesus is trying to inspire us to allow this word to take root in our lives and, and talk about some things that can prevent that, this is the word that we're going to keep coming back to. This, this very simple, like central claim that we can wrestle with, that Jesus was God. And he stepped out of heaven and took on flesh. And he was human in a way that I was meant to be human. And he lived a life that I could never live. And his life was offered up to me so that I could receive the credit for that. This is the word that Jesus says is scattered onto the path and scattered onto the rocky, shallow soil and scattered onto the thorny soil and scattered onto the good soil. And this is the word that Jesus says, if this takes root in your heart, it can bear incredible fruit. Before we start digging through the parable, let's just have one more prayer. Will you pray with me? God, will you help us this morning to see a truth in your word that is powerful and that is helpful and that will, will give us some insight into who you are and the hopes you have for our lives. Amen. So we're going to look at this parable. We're going to look at it two ways, okay? One, Jesus is trying to inspire us to dream about what can happen if this word takes root in our lives. And two, Jesus just talks about a couple of things that can get in the way of that happening. So let's just get started. First things first, very exciting to me, actually, it's kind of nerdy, but just one word that Jesus uses in the parable when he's talking about soil. When Jesus is talking about soils, 
He's using this Greek word that I can't even pronounce because it's one syllable, but there's lots of different letters in it. And, but it's a Greek word that refers to the earth in terms of the earth's vegetative power. And I was reading this and I saw that phrase, vegetative power, vegetative power. And it just kind of rang in my ears and I just couldn't get it out of my mind. Vegetative power. Would, will everybody say vegetative power? Vegetative power. I'm like, vegetative power. This just has a nice sound to it. And, and then the first thing that popped into my mind when I thought of vegetative power is I thought of Netflix. <laughs> so funny about that. I, I thought about Netflix. And then I was thinking, why am I thinking about Netflix? What does Netflix have to do with vegetative power? Why is Netflix the first thing that pops into my head when I think of vegetative power? And then it dawned on me. It's because I believe that Netflix has some kind of vegetative power over me. Like as in, I get the remote and I turn on Netflix and I vegetate. <laughs> it is a terrible use of the English language. And the teenagers told me not to tell that joke on stage. But that's not what vegetative power is about. So I thought, okay, well, what's the second thing that pops into my head when I think about vegetative power? And the second thing that popped into my head when I think of vegetative power was I thought of, bear, bear with me on this, okay? I thought of my face versus Pastor John's face. <laughs> I said, bear with me a little bit here. But what you see on this face, that's some vegetative power. That's three weeks. Three weeks. Like, if you haven't seen me in a little while, because I've been locked up downstairs in the basement, you go ahead. Like, how do you like the beard? Yes, right? Vegetative power, the power of something to produce. I mean, I actually thought about cutting the beard off last night, but I thought... Maybe Grace Community would love to see a pastor on stage with a nice beard. <laughs> if you've been around Grace for a while, a few months back, Pastor John, he had grown up uh, some facial hair. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Vegetative power. Jesus is talking about soil. He's talking about our hearts and our lives. And he's referring to the power that our lives have to produce. And he wants us just to stop there and think about it. Because sometimes we're just so busy. It's just so day to day. Do we get a chance to ever step back and think about our lives in terms of the power my life has to produce? And it's kind of mysterious, but it happens. The way something comes out of a life and it changes the world. The way something comes out of a life and it changes the people around us. What Jesus is saying, look, if this word becomes deeply rooted in somebody's heart, it has immense vegetative power. It has the power to come out of you and change people around you and change the world. And he wants us to dream about that a little bit. Jesus wants to, and, and it's clear, the way he ends the parable, also very clear. Jesus wants us just to stop and think about our life in terms of its vegetative power. What will be the fruit? And to dream about that. He ends the parable with the good soil, right? The seed, the word falls on good soil and it produces a crop 30 or 60 
or a hundred. And Jesus leaves it open-ended. He leaves it open to the imagination. Just go ahead and dream for a while, will you? The other, the other soils, the path, the rocky shallow one, the thorny one, the seed falls on it and the ha- story's over. Like we know what happens. But the seed that falls on good soil, the word that finds itself deeply rooted in good soil, let your imagination just run for a while with what can be produced out of that life. Dream a little bit. And isn't this so true? Isn't this so important to us? Listen, I have conversations with teenagers all the time and we talk about life and we talk about hopes and we talk about dreams and we talk about fears. And one of the things that continually keeps coming up when I talk to teens about their lives and their hopes and their fears, this number one hope. I hope that my life produces something that outlasts me. Isn't that interesting? The number one hope. I hear it over and over from teenagers. Man, when I think about my life, I hope that it produces something that outlasts me or outlives me. Number one fear, almost the same thing. Just flip it over. My number one fear is that my life won't produce anything. Won't produce anything. Jesus wants us to dream. He wants us to spend time thinking about fruit that can be born from our lives. And he's saying, the key is this word being firmly planted. Listen, when, um, and I just want to share this because, you know, it's an opportunity. I don't get on stage much, talk about the teenagers, but this is an opportunity for me to be on stage and, and actually invite you to pray along with me for something that's very important. Uh, sometimes when I go to schools and I pray around schools, um, you know, it's, it's different every time. And sometimes I feel like God kind of leads me to, to pray this for this school or that for that school or this for this student who I know is in that school because I know they go to that school. Um, but almost every time I go to a school and I start walking around that school and I start praying for this school, about halfway around, I sense God saying, Matt, ask me to put dreams in their hearts. Ask me to guide their imagination as they sit in class because their imaginations are running a little bit wild in class, right? Particularly when you're in calculus. I know when I was in calculus, my imagination went all kinds of different ways. Typically went to Chipotle. (laughs) Or that post that I had put up that, you know, how many people are checking it out or retweeting it or whatever. Like my imagination would run wild or I would would daydream or I would kind of, uh, you know, imagine whoever it was I was going to invite to the dance. I hear, okay. I'm way off point. God says this, Matt, ask me about dreams I have for them, the dreams I want to put in their heart. They can dream about the fruitfulness of their lives, what I want to do in them, what I want to do through them as they sit in class, as their minds wander. Jesus wants us to dream about the fruitfulness of our lives when it comes to this word. Finally, we know that this is one of the first things Jesus teaches after he invites 12 people into his inner circle to change the world with him. The previous chapter in Mark, he's up on a mountainside all night praying. He comes down, he chooses 12. He said, you guys, you're going to change the world with me. We're going to turn the world upside down, right? We're going to, re- we're going to redeem a world together. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to change it. We're going to bring hope. We're going to bring peace. We're going to bring healing to this world. And Jesus has just invited them to do that. Your lives are going to bear fruit. Your lives are going to bear so much fruit, tremendous fruit. Here's the key. It has everything to do 
with how much we allow this word to take root in our hearts. This word, this very simple word. I can't put it any simpler than was said to these middle school guys. This word that Jesus lived a life we could not live and we get all the credit. It's so simple. But if that word takes deep root in our heart, Jesus says, watch out. Okay, that's the first part. The second part, we'll just spend the next little bit of time, the rest of this talking about a couple things Jesus says that can get in the way, a couple things that can prevent this word from taking a deep root and from bearing a lot of fruit in our lives. So we'll actually turn back to the parable. Uh, verse 14, Jesus says this. He says, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And, and I like another translation even better. It says, as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and snatches away the word that was sown in them. And my mind immediately goes to this book that there's been a lot of hype about recently, but the book Redeeming Love, okay? Okay. Raise your, real quick, raise your hand. Have you heard the book? Have you heard of the book? This is the book. Okay. I think of redeeming love when I think about what Jesus is describing here because here's what I think of. How many husbands out there, when they come home and they see that book on their wife's nightstand, just want to snatch it up <laughs> and go hide it and not let their wife read it and not let that word get into her mind? Because here's what that book is about. That book is about a man who loves a woman so relentlessly and so self-sacrificially and so relentlessly self-sacrificially that for a lot of us husbands, it's very bad for business. <laughs> See a lot of wives out there reading Redeeming Love, turning the pages about Michael Hosea and the way that he loved Angel and they look up at their husband <laughs> and then they look right back at the book right? Look, actually, true story. My wife, Robin, she read the book uh, a while back, loved it, really enjoyed it, but I didn't even know she had read it. Um, but anyways, a couple months ago, I brought the book home. I was reading it, and, uh, and it was sitting on the coffee table. Robin comes home, and she sees the book on the coffee table. She looks at me, and uh, I could tell her wheels were turning a little bit. She said, You're reading, are you reading Redeeming Love? And I said, yes. And she said, good. I hope it makes you a better husband. <laughs> and I said, never mind. I'm not reading that book. <laughs> it was a true story. I hope it makes you a better husband. Look, that, that word is bad for business for us husbands who maybe aren't perfect, right? So... This is the sense I get when Jesus says, listen, that word is sown on a path and, and Satan, he comes and snatches it up because it's bad for his business. This word, right, this, this simple sublime truth that Jesus Christ lived a life that we could never live and we get all the credit, bad for Satan's business. Very, very bad for Satan's business. And I actually would love to spend a lot of time talking about just how it is bad for his business, but it's kind of a different sermon for another time, but I would like to encourage you this. In your community groups, maybe that's something you could really talk about. How is this bad for Satan's business? But for now, we just, we just want to think, well, what do we do with this? Here's what we know. Satan wants to snatch it up. 
He wants us to, he just wants to snatch it up because this word is bad for business for him. Okay. He doesn't want us to think about it. He doesn't want to investigate it. He doesn't want us to ask questions about it. He doesn't want us to journal about it. He doesn't want us to listen to song. He just wants to snatch it up and have us move on. He just wants us. So, okay, so what do we do? And this is, this is, I feel a little bit silly saying this, but this is kind of a challenge for the week. This is kind of a takeaway. Well, what do we do? We know this is something that Satan just wants to snatch up because it's bad for his business. What do we do? Okay, so simple. Please don't judge me. Let's kind of camp out on it a little while this week. Think about it a little bit this week. Journal about it this week. The top of your prayer journal, if you have one, or your diary or whatever it is, on the next new page at the very top, just write. And there could be a question mark on the, on the end if that's where you are in your investigation of all this. Feel free to put a question mark at the end. Jesus lived a life I could not live or I could never live it was offered to me and I get all the credit for that. And can we just spend some time there this week before it gets snatched up? Before we move on to the next thing? Before we move on to the more important matters or the more complex things like money or all these other questions that the middle school guys had for me? Can we just stop there? This week. Jesus goes on, he continues in the parable. He says in verse 16, others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. And I could, I could understand that. This word, Jesus lived a life I could never live and I get the credit for his life and before God, I stand approved before God not because of the life that I lived, I actually lived, but because of the, the, the life that Christ lived. That, I, can, I can see how that could be received with a whole lot of joy. There's a lot of freedom in that. There's a lot of peace in that, right? He says it's, it's at once received with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. How many of us are familiar with the podcast, This American Life? Have you ever listen, tune in, tune into This American Life? Fascinating stories. Highly recommend. Uh, a couple months back, it was kind of funny how I said highly recommend. Sorry. Uh, okay. Let me get back on track here. A couple months back, uh, This American Life, they did a story on a man named Abdi. And Abdi was a Somali refugee living in Kenya. And I try to imagine what that would be like to be any kind of refugee living anywhere. A Somali refugee living in Kenya, right? And for someone like Abdi who actually has hopes and dreams about life and to look at his current circumstance and think, man, this is, this is kind of brutal. And the podcast goes on to talk about Abdi's story in terms of what they call the golden ticket, right? And Abdi's pursuit of the golden ticket and Abdi's gaining of the golden ticket. So the golden ticket, what the golden ticket is, you get, there's a lottery, there's a huge ginormous lottery, right? Millions of people. The chances of winning this lottery, very, very slim, Powerball type, okay? 
the lottery is for a golden ticket which, put, which puts you on the short list for a U.S. visa. So for someone like Abdi, who's a Somali refugee, who's living in Kenya, this golden ticket is a very big deal. This golden ticket means all kinds of hope. This golden ticket means all kinds of freedom. This golden ticket means all kinds of dreams being realized, right? But his chances are very small. The story tells that Ab- Abdi actually does win the lottery. He does get a golden ticket. Can you imagine the joy when, when he heard, when he found out, you're a winner? You're on the short list for this U.S. visa? Can you imagine the joy that he would receive that with? And then what's interesting is uh, This American Life, the podcast, goes on to tell the story of all the persecution he faces because authorities find out he's got the golden ticket, that he's on the short list, that the, the ratings of his home, all kinds of persecution. Because people in charge, the people in control, aren't really too happy with someone finding freedom outside of their control. You think about Jesus, and he's sharing this with the disciples. They're going to suffer immense persecution for this word, this word that that Jesus was God, this word that Jesus entered human flesh and was human the way we were meant to be human and lived a life that we could not live, and we're actually given the credit for that life, and that therefore we're acceptable before God because of the life Jesus lived. Those who are in control might not be too comfortable with that. We know these disciples faced a lot of persecution. But what's interesting about what Jesus is saying here is he says, the word doesn't not bear fruit because of the persecution. Jesus is saying that that word doesn't bear any fruit because it has no firm root, which is very interesting to me, which means, leads me to believe that even amidst the persecution, if the word had a firm root, it would still bear fruit. Jesus is saying it's because it had no firm roots. Like I'm thinking, well, what does it mean to have firm root? And, and the reality is this, it's all about trust. It's all about trust. If something has a firm root, I trust it. If something is rooted firmly, I can lean into it. If something is rooted firmly, I can hang from it. Jesus is challenging the extent to which we trust this word. Because if our trust is lacking, then it's going to minimize the amount of fruit that's born out of our lives, right? And Jesus, this parable is all about maximizing the fruit that this word can bear in your life. He says, one thing that's going to get in the way of that is trust. If you don't trust this word, two things can happen if you don't trust. One, you're just going to bail on it, right? When the persecution comes, you can imagine the disciples, if they don't really trust it, fortunately for them, they got to see Jesus rise from the dead. That was very, very fortunate for them, Right? But if they didn't trust it, when the persecution comes, they say, whoa, whoa, I'm not sure that was a real deal anyway. So let me just, you can put your stones down <laughs> and let me back away from this because I'm not sure that was the real deal anyways. It's the first thing that can happen. The second thing is this. We go back to another word. We go back to the old word. We don't really trust this word. Well, we don't really trust this word that Christ was human the way we were meant to be human, that he lived a life that, I could never live, that his, that life was offered to me so that I could get the credit for that life. If, if I don't, if I, maybe I receive it, but I don't really trust it. If I receive it, but I don't really trust it. The other thing that happens is I continue trying to earn God's approval. If I don't really trust that I'm approved by God because of the life Christ lived. 
if I don't really trust it, if it doesn't have a firm root, I'm going to still feel this burden to, to live a life of God's approval, as if my approval before God depends on the way that I live. And now I'm back to the religious game. I'm back to the rules. I'm back to the ladder that Pastor Derek loves talking about, the ladder of religion, where when you're climbing up and you're doing a great job and you're following the rules, you can be very conceited. Or if you're doing a bad job and you're not, and then you're defeated. You're either conceited or defeated, and I'm back in the rule game. And then I end up having this relationship with God that is very transactional. Like, God, I'm doing my best. God, I'm trying as hard as I can. God, I'm trying to earn your approval. I'm trying to live your ways. I'm trying to do all these things. And then you know what happens? You just feel like God owes you something. So you owe me. It's not the kind of relationship God wants with us. He wants us to love him back. We'll try this on for size. If we really trust this word, I can stop trying to earn God's approval and I can just be grateful for this, his approval of me that I could not earn and I do not deserve. I can be filled with gratitude, so much gratitude that it just allows me to fall deeply in love with who God is. And all of a sudden I find myself wanting to do everything I can to please God. But in freedom, to know that when I slip, when I fall, when I, God's approval of me is not affected. Jesus is challenging our trust in this word. Uh, we are almost out of time. I just want to make one quick mention about the next thing Jesus says. Verse 18, Jesus says, Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Just a couple quick questions, because we don't have time to talk about it, but one, can we see how this would be true? Just can we see how this could be true? How worries of this life, deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Can we just see how that could be true? And two, it's an opportunity for us to reflect, an opportunity for us to ask ourselves, to what extent do I believe wealth's lie that in it I find abundant life, that in it my, my problems go away, my fears go away, my doubts go away. And that's the thing that I need to pursue for abundant life. I always think about money. If money could dance, it would probably do the salsa. Because the salsa dance is a very sexy dance. And money is like this wily seductress, you know, that kind of calls us in. But that's kind of weird <laughs> for me to think about dancing money. Anyways, our time's almost up. In closing, I'll just say this. The only person who hears this parable of Jesus and walks away without something to think about is the person who hears this parable and thinks, booyah, I'm the good soil. Watch out. Good soil coming through. Big crop coming through. Watch out. That's the only person that, that hears this uh, and doesn't walk away with something to think about. The one who believes they're the good crop, the one 
No, the good soil, because they're going to be a big crop. I've got to say it. The one who says, I love it when you call me big crop. Uh. <laughs> That's the only person that walks away from this without something to think about. Forgive me for that. But technically, I am the new Americana which means I was raised on Biggie and. Okay. Listen, I think that we might be able to admit that all of us are on this spectrum of path to rocky shallow to thorny soil, right? When we think about this parable and who we are in this, we're all somewhere on that spectrum. And so this week, I just want to encourage you to spend some time thinking about this parable, thinking about this word, thinking about Jesus' hope for the fruit this word can bear in our lives if we allow it. This parable is all about allowing the word to do its work in our lives so that our lives bear maximum fruit. And maybe it's as simple as when we leave and we go throughout the week, we don't, we, we spend time coming back to it. Maybe you put a reminder on your phone and when it pops up, it says, Jesus lived a life I could never live and I get all the credit and you just stop and think about it. Well, let that word sit on top of the soil for a while. Or maybe you, maybe you just decide, it's just a simple thing, but maybe you take 20 minutes of social media time and say, for 20 minutes, on my mind, I'm just going to reflect on what this means if Jesus was God and he was human the way I was meant to be human and he lived a life that I could never live and that life was offered to me so that I get the credit for his life and I stand approved before God because of the life Christ lived. We just think about that. But let's investigate it. Let's ask questions. Let's, let's let it sit there. Or maybe this week is something you need to lean into. And the challenge is, how much do I really trust this? I've heard it. I've heard it many, many times. And even in one sense, I've received it. And I'm grateful to God for it. But how much do I really trust it? Do I trust it so much it just transforms my relationship with God? Just for fun, um, on your way out, a couple of our teenagers decided they wanted to provide a treat for everybody. This morning is all about soil, all about different kinds of dirt. And so some of our teens and some of our leaders helped, and they have prepared for you to taste the best dirt you will ever taste. So please, on your way out, grab a Dixie cup. Watch out for the worm in the bottom. It's a gummy worm, okay? But uh, why don't I just close us in prayer and then uh, you guys can, we can take off. Jesus, thank you so much for stepping out of heaven, taking on flesh, living a life we could never live, paying a price that you'd never have us pay and then offering your life to us so that we can get the credit for it. God, this word is sublime. And I just ask that this week you would help us see it in new and exciting ways. God, bless everybody this week. Give them exactly what they need. 
pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, have a great week. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.